Are you guys can grab a seat. So there was a time when I was in high school that my girlfriend told me that one of my coworkers asked her to take her top off for him. So let me tell you how we got here, right? Let me tell you how we got here. Okay. So I, I was working at Chick-fil-A like a good future pastor. And <laughs> And my girlfriend only lived a few miles away. So she would very often come and visit me during my shift when I was working. So she would come and she would visit me. And we'd kind of hang out between me taking orders, between me telling people my pleasure, um, and, and between me even scrubbing the toilets. Because you know, if you've ever been at Chick-fil-A before, that if you worked at Chick-fil-A, you better believe we scrubbed a lot of toilets. That's right, Carson Bruce can, can testify for that. Because if you think about it, I mean, I mean if, when it comes to the bathroom game, Chick-fil-A takes it really seriously, don't they? I mean, they have the mouthwash at some of the locations. Have y'all seen that? Um, and they all have the very identical and therefore very confusing soap and hand dispensers, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, we've all played that guessing game and lost, right? Let's just be real. And so what I want to know is, is the overkill for that really necessary, Right? Because where does Chick-fil-A think that my hands have been that when it comes to cleaning them, that soap isn't enough, right? I mean, that's, that's so confusing to me. So anyway, so I worked there, Chick-fil-A, cleaning bathrooms, hanging out. And so she would come and visit me. So naturally, when I was doing that, she would meet the people that I worked with. And so one of the guys she met was the manager. And so this is a young guy. I mean, he was only a few years older than me. Uh, we even went to the same school. And so naturally, she would visit, and we would talk, and we'd hang out. She would just get to know some of the other people that were there as well. And so there was one time when she was at Chick-fil-A, and this guy was working, and I wasn't. And it was then that this interaction between her and this manager took place. And so next time she saw me, she was very quick to tell me what happened when I wasn't there. So for her, it was a typical day at Chick-fil-A. Right? She was laughing, hanging out, eating her meal, and one of the favorite places that she could go to. So in the midst of her hanging out, having a good time with those who she loves the most, she realized something hardly surprising, but often frustrating. Her drink was empty. And so she decided to make a pit stop at the counter. And when she went, she connected with a familiar face, right? Somebody who she had seen in the early hours of the night when her boyfriend, he was grossly underpaid, she would visit him at work. So she walks up to him and she asks him if he, if he or she can get a refill. And when she does, he notices something. He notices a common but yet crucial mistake. She left the lid on to her cup. And so as he notices the ear of her ways, he looks down at the cup, looks up at her, motions towards it and says, can you take your top off for me? Right? Right? Let's go. Let's go. I got you guys. All right, let's talk about what just happened here, right? Let's... All right, now talk about the dab, though we could. So let's, let's talk about what, what happened here. Let's talk about that anticlimactic ending and what we just saw take place, all right? So the first time I told you that story, 
right? You gasped, right? Some of you had some ooing going on, right? You weren't too sure what was happening because you couldn't believe that my coworker would have the audacity to say something like that to my girlfriend. And let's be honest, you were wanting to know what I was going to do too, right? If I was going to let somebody hit the floor <laughs> as I stood up to this creep. That's all right, I know. But the second time I made the statement, all of you rolled your eyes like I made a dad joke, right? It's fine. It's right. I knew. I anticipated it. So what was the difference, right? What was the difference between the first response and the second response? Context, right? Right, context showed you that my coworker wasn't a perverted jerk, but instead he was just a guy who had a really bad choice of words when he was talking to a girl. Right, context made you realize that my girlfriend didn't tell me the story because she was offended. She told me the story because she thought it was absolutely hilarious, right? In fact, the guy turned red right after he did it and was very quick to let her know that he was referring to her lid. And so she thought it was so funny, right? But you didn't know that when I made the statement. Instead, context is what lets you know what was going on there. And so what that story demonstrates is the reality that we see so often in our lives is that context is key. Right, context is key because context lets us know what is happening in the situation. Right, you went from being disgusted by that guy to feeling sorry for that guy because context showed you when and where that statement took place. But see, context doesn't just play a key role when it comes to our stories. Context also plays a very important role when it comes to our lives. Because think about how context is key when it comes to how you do school now versus when you were in middle school. So in middle school, when you need to go to the bathroom, it is common to raise your hand and to ask the teacher, right? In fact, that's expected. But in college, that's just weird, right? You just go, right? In middle school, if you skip school to hang out with your friends, you'll get in trouble. Now, it's just what you do every Tuesday, right? I mean, it's just... <laughs> Right? Even though the action is the same, the context is different. And so because of that, at one point you should do it, at one point you shouldn't. Right? You guys got to get what I'm saying here. Right? Context is key. And so tonight, as we talk about the importance of context, we're going to be hanging out in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn them on or open them up. That's where we're going to be spending our time tonight, is in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you've been with us before and you've hung out with us on Monday nights previously, you're going to see that tonight is going to be a little bit different than most Monday nights. But please know that's intentional. And it's intentional because tonight my goal is to set up this series that we're going to be talking about that you saw a graphic for earlier and that I referenced called Relationship University. And I am super excited about this series because I believe this has the opportunity to do some amazing things in your life. And so as we jump into this series and we kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about for four weeks after tonight, we're going to spend time hanging out in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So we'll have the words on the screen for you, but feel free to get your Bibles out and follow along. So the writer of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, right? And Solomon is the son of King David, one of the wisest people to ever live in this world. So as he's writing Ecclesiastes, he's imparting wisdom to the reader. And so what we see when we jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is there is very specific wisdom that Solomon is wanting to give us. And the very simple, very clear 
wisdom that he's trying to impart to us is that there is a time for everything, right? And you can see that in the very first sentence of this verse. Right, Solomon writes, he says, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun. And what Solomon is about to do with the risk of being redundant is he about to give us 14 opposites. Opposite activities, opposite things that happen or take place or that we see in this life to show us how there's a time for everything. Watch this, right? So we see in verse two, listen to what Solomon says. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. And then he continues. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. And he's not done. He continues. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. And then a time for war and a time for peace, right? So clearly, Solomon is trying to tell us something here. And what he wants to tell us is that there is literally a time for everything. All the activities that we see in this life, everything that we see taking place in this world, there's a time for it. And we get this, don't we, right? I mean, even just from our experience, we understand that there is a certain time for everything. So when you've been away from home for a long break and you see your mom, right, you know it's a time to embrace her and give her a big old hug. And when you're at a football game and your team scores the game-winning touchdown, you know it is time to scream and to celebrate. When you're driving in a car and you see a cop, you know it is time to slow down, right? <laughs> And when you're in bird box and you go outside, it is time to put on that blindfold. Am I right, people? Am I right? As you get the picture, right? There's a time for everything. And see, this is where context plays a role in what we're talking about in this passage and why context is key here and why it is good to know your context when it comes to knowing the time. Because context clarifies what time it is. Right, the context that we find ourselves in is what clarifies what time it is. It clarifies what we do in our different situations. Here's a key example. So this room, this building, right? People can come to this place and they can dance or they can mourn, right? Two opposites that Solomon talks about in this passage. And context determines which one somebody would do. Because if you're at a funeral, you're not going to dance. You're going to mourn. But if you're here for a wedding, you're going to dance and you're not going to mourn. So even though both activities can take place in the same building, and theoretically they can even take place on the same day, the context will tell you which one to do. You see, that's why context is so important. That's why context is key. Because it helps us know what time it is. It clarifies what we should do in the certain situations that we find ourselves in. But here's the challenging thing about context. As the statement in my story earlier demonstrated, context is key, but context isn't always clear. But even though we understand that there's a time for everything that takes place in this world, we also understand that there's certain times we don't know what to do in situations. Right? We don't know what time it is. 
is that we don't know how to respond when something is happening to us. So we know what to do when we haven't seen our mom after a long break, but what do you do when you meet your boyfriend, your girlfriend's mom for the first time? Right? Do you go for a hug or do you go for the hand sandwich, right? Thank you. Nice to meet you. Glad to be here, right? But we're at the game. We know what to do when our team scores a game when he touched down. But what if you're at a house and everybody else who is there is a fan of the other team? Right? Is it time to shout or is it time to shut up, right? <laughs> and, and we know what to do when we see a cop, right? But what do we do when we see a yellow light? Is it time to speed up or is it time to slow down, right? I'll let you guys deal with that moral conundrum later. Um, but, right, but you guys get the picture, right? You guys understand what I'm saying. There's often times that even though we know that context is key, context can be blurry. We're not always sure what we're supposed to do in a situation. We're not always sure what time it is. And so because of that, we're not really sure what to do. And if you're sitting here in this room tonight, if I had to guess, you find yourselves in the uncertain situations, these unclear contexts a lot in your life. Because when you're in college, a lot of the situations you find yourself in are ambiguous. A lot of the time when things are happening in your life, you're not really too sure how to respond to it. You're not really too sure what to do or simply put, you don't really know what time it is for you. And so you find yourself struggling, right? Even things that were clear in high school now aren't clear anymore. You see, the thing about high school is that context is clear when we're in high school. Because when we're at certain phases of our lives, we're with it with everybody else who's our age. Right? So when you're in high school and you're 16, everybody's working on getting their license, right? And when you're in high school and you're 18, everybody's working on graduation, right? Everybody's making their way there. But the challenging thing comes when you get to college. Because once high school ends, not everybody goes to college, right? People go into totally different directions and they go to totally different places with their life. So some people, they start working and they start their career. Other people have a kid and they start their family. And then others of us decide to go to college. But see, this is why college is so so difficult because college is like kind of this third area between high school and adulting, right? So the people who kind of move on to their career and their family, they're adulting. And so you have just kind of people who go straight there, but then college is kind of this third weird, unclear kind of middle ground that's a blend of both worlds. It's a blend of the world that you were in in regards to high school, and it's also a sort of a blend of the world that's coming when it comes to adulting. So you live on your own now like an adult, but you're still highly dependent upon your parents. Or now you have the ability to be able to choose what your major is and take certain classes at the times that you want to, but you're still in school. And you have certain freedoms to do things that you want to do, but you still don't have all the freedom to do what you want yet. So you see what I mean? It's just this blending of these two worlds where there's elements of what things were like in high school and then elements of what your life will be once you graduate. So it becomes this kind of middle ground that's unclear, that's blurry, and we're not too really sure what to do. And so that's where you are in college right now. College, when it comes to context, it's unclear. 
right, context is unclear in college. And that's where you are right now. And this is especially true when it comes to your relationships. I mean, think about how much more complex your relationships are now with different people like your parents. In high school, you see your parents all the time. You talk to them every day. Right? You live in another house. You follow the rules. But then you get to college and you start asking these questions that you never had to ask before. When do y'all call my parents? How often do I go home and visit them? Am I a bad son or daughter if I don't go home and visit them? Should I include them with this big decision that I'm making in my life? Is it weird if I do? Is it weird if I don't? Right? I mean, you're just sitting here in this unfamiliar, vague area. And the same thing with our dating relationships. When you're in high school, right, the biggest questions that are coming if you're dating somebody is figuring out how you're going to ask them to prom or how you're going to get asked to prom, right? I mean, those are the ways, the pillars of our world work in high school. But then you get in a dating relationship in college, completely different. Because now you have questions like, should I marry this person? If so, how do I know? If not, how do I know? What if I marry them when I really shouldn't? Or what if I let them slip by and I regret it for the rest of my life? And it's even in college where we usually find ourselves asking the question, what if I never get married and I'm single my entire life? I mean, things just become so much more complex now, right? Things become so much more difficult. That's where we are. That's the challenge that we have in our life when we get to college. Our context is unclear. And because our context is unclear, we aren't sure what time it is. Right? We aren't sure if it's time for us to go home and visit our parents or if it's time for us to go to the football game. We're not sure if it's time for us to say, I think I want to marry you. Or if it's time to say, Thank you, next. Right? <laughs> I wish you could have seen how long it took that to settle for you guys. That was, that was good for me, right? And so, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? You understand what I'm talking about. You find yourself in this difficult situation now, right? It is hard and tough to make the decisions in your life because you don't know what time it is and you don't know what to do because context in college is unclear. So here is why this series that we're about to dive into is so important. And why we're going to spend some time talking about this for you guys or with you guys. Because what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time talking about the context that you find yourself in right now. And we're going to do this to help you understand what time it is for you. To help you understand how you can make these decisions in your life that you're called to make right here and right now. And we're going to do this by looking at the different relationships that you find yourself in. And so next week, we're going to spend some time talking about the relationship that you have with your parents. And talk about what that looks like now that you're in college. And we're going to help you navigate this line between dependency and interdependency or independency that you find yourself walking through in college as you kind of make your way towards being an adult. And we're going to talk about friendship here. And why when it comes to college, you're in one of the most crucial and important times of friendship that you will ever be in your life.
And we're going to talk about how being, what it looks like to be a good friend now versus what it was like to be a good friend in high school. And why that is so important that you are. And then we're going to spend time talking about dating relationships. And we're going to give you the opportunity to ask any question that you have about dating, any question that has gone through your mind, we're going to give you the opportunity to ask it. And we want to help answer that for you as you figure out what time it is for you. And then we're going to wrap up this series by talking about this relationship that you now have with yourself and what that looks like now that you're in college and how you can best understand that. So that's what we're going to be doing in this series that we're calling Relationship University. We're going to figure out how we're called to live in this context and what it means to have the relationships with the different people that we face. But before we jump into that, let me give you a word of caution or a warning Because as we jump into this series and really dive into it next week, some of you are going to find yourselves hearing some pretty hard things. And the reason it's going to be hard for you to hear it is because you're going to find that you're in a time that if you're honest, you don't want to be in. Or you wish that it was time for you to be marrying somebody, but you're realizing that you're single and you don't know if you're going to find anybody anytime soon. Or you wish you were in a time that you were less dependent upon your parents than you actually are. And for some of you, maybe you wish you were more dependent upon your parents. And so you're going to start to hear some things. And it's going to be tough. And maybe things have been difficult in your life because you find that you've actually been living outside of your context. So we all know that we can take words out of context, but we don't often think about how we can take actions out of context. And so maybe you wanting to be in a different time than you actually are. And so because of that, you're finding some frustration and irritation, even discouragement in your life because you wish that it was, you were here, but instead you're over here. But here's my encouragement for you. If throughout this series you find yourself having those emotions, feeling discouraged or feeling irritated or feeling frustrated that you aren't where you want to be, you have to remember that God has you where you are for a reason. And it's because he wants to grow you and he wants to stretch you. Because all of you in this room who are in college, you are in this confusing and this complex and oftentimes messy context that is unclear. But even though it's messy, even though it's complex, even though it's unclear, it's also amazing. And it's amazing because Jesus is trying to take you to a place that you've never been before. See, this is what I think about when I think about where you are right now. I think about Peter and Matthew 14. Familiar story, right? When Peter and Matthew 14 walks on the water with Jesus. I'm sure you guys have heard that before, most of you. And he walks out on that water, right? And so what we see happening in that situation, that Peter leaves his boat and he steps out on the water where Jesus is. And where Peter is on that water is where you are right now. Because when Peter was in that water, he was in an unfamiliar place. And college is an unfamiliar place. Where context is blurry, relationships are complex, and life at times can be a little bit scary. And when you're sitting there, you can find yourself wanting to get back into your boat. 
right? All of us have our own boat that we want to get back into, right? This comfortable life that we find ourselves wanting to go back to, wanting to go forward to. This life where context is clear, where relationships are familiar, and where life is just a little bit more simple. And so you're sitting there wanting to get back into the boat, wanting to find a more comfortable life, but Jesus has asked you to step out to the water for a reason. And it's the same reason why Peter steps out in the water. Is that Jesus wants you to look at him even when it's chaotic around you, even when things don't make sense, even when you feel like you're about to sink and to drown, Jesus wants you to lock onto him and to trust him. Because Jesus wants to grow your faith that he considers to be more precious than gold. And Jesus wants to stretch you to be conformed into the image of God's son. And so that's why we step out into the water and that's why we stay there because Jesus is trying to do things in our life that we would never do on our own. And I've been out of college for almost a decade now, which is crazy, and it makes me feel old, so don't mention it later. But that's where I am now. I'm almost a decade out of college and I can look back on my life and I can know that God is doing this to you because that's exactly what God did to me. I found myself in this unclear context, right? I found myself asking tough questions that I wasn't sure the answer to, and I wasn't, didn't know what to do because I wasn't sure what time it was for me. And as I look back on my life, although it was difficult and hard and at times confusing, it was also amazing because God grew my faith more in my four years of college than the previous years combined that I was a Christian. And I believe that's exactly what he wants to do for you. That's exactly what he's trying to do in your life. So what I want to do is I want to help you. All right, as you stand into this unfamiliar place, I want to help you and remind you to keep your eyes on Jesus because he's the person who's asked you to step out here. And he's the one that wants to grow you and stretch you. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to find ourselves next week. And so as we wrap up this night and we start this series, here's the question I want us to ask ourselves. A question I want you to think about throughout your week. I want you to ask the question, what time is it? When you think about your life and you think about the different relationships that you find yourself in, I want you to ask the question, what time is it? What time is it when it comes to your relationship with your parents? What time is it when it comes to your friends? What time is it when it comes to your relationship with the person you're dating? What time is it when it comes to relationship with yourself? I want you to start asking yourself that question. Start thinking about what time it is for me. And we're going to land at different places, right? We all are in this messy context, but what we're going to find out is the time that we're in is different. And as we walk through this series, that will become a little bit more clear what I mean. But what I want you to do is I want you to start asking yourself the question, what time is it? And this is my prayer for you as we walk through this series. As you figure out what time it is for you, my prayer is that the answer to that question will, will that, my prayer is that the answer to that question will provide clarity for you to make godly decisions in your life. I want you to know your context. I want you to know what time it is, and then I want you to be able to live out your life in a way that honors and glorifies God. 
And that's my hope for all of us in this room. As we jump into this series and we figure out what God is doing in our life and what he wants to do as we stand in this unfamiliar place And so what we're about to do is we're about to go to our second set of worship and we're gonna start that set by singing the same song that we started the night off with. A song called Welcome the Healer. And so we start off that night welcoming God into this room, but what I want us to do now is to welcome God into the series. As we figure out what time it is for us, I want us to ask God to join us in this series. I want Christ to heal us when we find out the broken pieces and the relationships that we're in. I want him to grow us as the author of our faith. I want us to walk away from this place looking more like the God who saves and the God who redeems. So let's do that together. Let's welcome Jesus into this series. Let's step out into the water and let's trust him and maybe walk away from this place looking more like them. All right, pray with me. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the words that we see from Solomon. That there is a time for everything. That because of that, God, you are calling us to do things in our lives that, that might be hard, that might be difficult, that might be unclear for us, God, but we know that you're doing it for a reason, because you love us, because you died for us, and because you have a deep, deep desire to make us look more like you. And so my prayer, God, is that we would ask ourselves this question throughout this week, that we would pray through this question, what time is it for me? God, why do you have me in the context that I'm in? What are you doing in my life to grow me and to stretch me? And God, how can I walk away from this place and walk away from this series as somebody who loves you more deeply and has a better plan for what you want to do in my life? And so Jesus, we welcome you into the series as one who heals us, as one who saves us, and as the one that we can sing and worship to because you died so that we could know you. So I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.